What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Thursday, November 7th, 2019. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I am joined by the other half of the panel, Miss Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Hello, Natalie Z. I am good. What about you? I'm digging this uh, drop in temperature. I'm liking it. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm good. We're getting some, some 70s a little bit. Can't complain. At least where I am. I don't know about you. Are you still in the 80s? Uh, kind of, yeah. It's been pretty warm. But I'm not going to lie. When the temperature drops, you feel it in the desert. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, Les, yesterday we talked on Halloween. How was your holiday in the end? It was super regular. I had, I did have a hollow piece of Halloween candy, Reese's Halloween. Uh, they like make special pumpkin Reese's pieces. Oh yeah, I like those. Uh, yep. So that was about as much as I contributed to the old Halloween, <laughs> but it was fine. You know what? Um, I ended up working a lot, so it felt like I missed the holiday, which was uh, very frustrating, you know, because it was. I really thought I was going to get a little bit of time in, either hang out or just enjoy the festivities. Um, it wasn't too, too late, but I'll tell you a story. On our block, uh, you know, we're not like right in the cul-de-sac, you know, but we are part of a re- very large, you know, little suburb. And... Uh, we had a couple kids, but, and as I'm told, some, you know, I don't even know, kids or people, whatever, but they light the loudest, and I mean loudest, fireworks. I'm talking, no exaggeration, door-shaking fireworks. Wow. To the point that you look out the window and you see kids running with their parents trying to usher them because they don't know what's going on. Oh, my. Like, for their safety, and then it's... It was reportedly very dead after that, so it was very um, unfortunate because it's like, well, you know, like, look, it, I'm not saying that Halloween's our favorite holiday, but, you know, you, you want to contribute, you want to just, you know, take part in stuff, and really, it was, it was just done after that, so it was very unfortunate, so people in your neighborhoods, keep in mind, there are a lot of families with young kids. There is a time and place to do that stuff. Halloween isn't it. So, yeah. (laughs) Scared all the kids away. No exaggeration. It was very sad when you think about it, especially in today's climate with everything that's going on. And I mean, look at how many things happen in Texas. I mean, I don't blame parents you know, being cautious, who wouldn't at this time, right? Yeah, I wouldn't mess around with that either. Peace out. I hear that. Yeah, but it was very unfortunate. But next year, and you know, that is our PSA for the week. Natalie, we are finally on the other side of the BMF. We have crowned a baddest mother effer in the UFC in MMA. It is Jorge Masvidal. By Dr. Stoppage, which is always unfortunate, but I will get into that. Before we talk about the cut, XYZ, I want to get your thoughts on the fight, the main event. How did you see it? It was it was an excellent fight. Those three rounds were amazing. Masvidal came out to kill, and he nearly you know finished it in the first round. He was constantly pressuring, but Diaz was too, which I like. We saw it with Pettis, where he came out aggressive at the start. He did with Masvidal, then Masvidal turned the tables and that head kick and all that good stuff. So it was an excellent fight. You know, I don't know officially what the scorecards were up until that point, but it was at least 10-9, maybe 10-8 Masvidal for for each of those rounds. So if it had gone to the judges, he would have won. Now, do you you believe Diaz when he says he was injured and he was waiting till the fourth to turn it on. Yeah, I kind of do because you could see him sort of turn it on a little bit at the end of the third. He was landing on Masvidal, Masvidal smiling, swagging his tongue, but you can only take so many shots, right? So unfortunately we'll never know how that would have turned out, but excellent performance by Masvidal and a heck of a chin and, and strong showing for Diaz too. I mean, they, they lived up to the, uh, to the name of the, uh, of the card for sure. 
Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you're saying for the most part. Um, Masvidal, I think the biggest thing that impressed me was his his ability to tie up Nate, especially in those first two rounds. Didn't really give Nate the opportunity to, like we talked about, get him against the fence, get his volume going, really use his pressure and his length. Really, Masvidal did a good job minimizing the threat coming at him. And we always knew he was going to be the harder puncher, just the heavy hitter in this fight. And we saw that in the early moments. We saw it throughout the night when he really got that momentum behind it. Nate was feeling the effects of it, and it was visible in his body language. Um, Nate did have a better third round. However, I'd like to point out that I feel like Jorge was going to have another gear in him, if I may say so. So... I still saw Jorge winning rounds four and five had it continued. I feel like the strategy was there. I don't think Nate was suddenly going to come out with an answer for the kicks. Um, Now, that being said, was he still ready to fight and to bring it and to be a BMF himself? Absolutely. But I did not see him getting that rally he needed to make it a closer fight. I do think Jorge would have kept chopping away and would have taking the wind out of those extra sails. Now, I agree with you once again. Nate is well-conditioned. Four and five are there, but even then, that's a bit of a toss-up. I'd like to point out, when he fought Conor McGregor, and we all know Conor's issues with cardio and his style, he was the one who kind of came back and surged late in their fight with Nate in the second fight, um, rounds four and five. So, what is he well-conditioned? Yes. Does that mean that there was a miracle comeback that is not, you know, so set in stone, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, yeah, just performance by Masvidal did the damage. And I think he just had an answer for what Nate was going to bring. And he did a good job of keeping him there. It wasn't a wash by any means, but that was a very Jorge Masvidal controlled fight, in my opinion. Um, talking about the cut, I, I want to take this one first. For my money, it was very very odd and in the moment I actually thought it could keep going I did not see blood going into the eye and just the circumstances you know Nate like we're watching on TV and I'll be honest I was somewhere loud so I didn't hear as much of the commentary but you literally see the shot is Nate Diaz dukes up he's ready to for round four and then he just walks up to Jorge Masvidal and then you realize that it's over that moment was very jarring because it's like, well, wait, well, you know, WTF, BMF, what happened? You know, you have that. And then obviously you register the cut and the doctor waved it off off screen, which is unusual because usually you see that moment where they wave the arms. Upon review and upon talking to people and thinking about it, it wasn't the blood and the vision bugging Nate. It was the fact that the cuts were getting deep. It was about the fact that they were really stretching and at the end of the day, it's not so much, you know, his vision as as much as if you let him keep fighting for 10 minutes, there's a good chance that entire piece of meat is going to fall off his face. This fight needs to be stopped. And you know what? I know I've been hearing a lot. Of course, I wanted another 10 minutes of BMF action. That was absolutely the right call. I think that that uh, doctor and the ref and everyone involved should get a nice, you know, holiday ham. But uh, I'm just all good with uh, that stoppage. Upon review, you'd probably save Nate because Nate was only going to let himself bleed more for the victory and incur some more serious damage, even if, you know, he wasn't necessarily getting dominated. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about giving him a holiday ham, but I, uh, I, believe, uh, I believe Dana White in this case. You know, he was outraged at the start, just like we all were. But he said upon closer inspection, he understood that the doctor made the right call. And that's fine. I mean, we all love Nate Diaz. No one wants to see him disfigured or, you know, permanently ineligible to compete because of a, of a cut. We know he has the, the large brow. It's all full of scar tissue. And Dana White says he's going to get some surgery to, to fix that, you know, remove the scar tissue. So hopefully he won't tear as easily. He just came off a fight, you know, not long ago anyway. So that kind of stuff takes a while to heal. It was still disappointing. It's not, it's not how you expected the BMF fight to go to finish, but at least, at least we got three awesome rounds and uh, a clear, you know, a clear winner 
off of those three rounds. And what what are you gonna do? I mean, <laughs> it was it was too special. Something had to go wrong, and it and we thought the something going wrong was the USADA issue. It ended up being something else, and um, that's pretty much typical when something's too good to be true. It usually it usually is. However, it's still an excellent fight, and uh, and still well worth all the hype. I think. Uh, I wouldn't say this. I get it because if we're being honest, UFC is almost rarely victim to, um, I'll use the word hijinks. You know, Bellator with the Matt Mitrion fight earlier this year, for example, and all that going on. You know, that's that's one thing um, with the low blows. And, you know, you can maybe point a bit at the Ryan Bader, Czech Congo fight. But UFC, for the most part, yeah, people have gotten knocked out quick in the main event, but it's not necessarily, you know, some kind of stuff. In the last month, or, you know, maybe a little bit would change, you had the Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens fight that was obviously, you know, very tough and just another doctor stoppage quick. This one, you know, everyone got hyped up for The Rock and the BMF and all this stuff. Yeah, I, I get it. It was. It's been... It's very unheard of for this to happen once, let alone twice. But once again, that's the game. I think UFC should say they're very lucky that very rarely is there some kind of controversy. Usually, you know, it's very decisive and it was quick and there's no, you know, no mischief going on, no whatever going on. So I think that that's just another big part of it is it's unusual for this to happen in two main events so close together. Now, let's talk about Jorge Masvidal. He is not without options. I think it's very clear that Dana White is not throwing out, is not ruling out the possibility of Conor McGregor. That being said, it looks like Jorge's plan is to wait and probably take aim at the winner of Kamaru and Colby next month. You know, in 2020, what do you think? Uh, I'll just say, what do you think should be next? What you know, at the end of the day, is next for Gamebred and the B, the new BMF. Yeah, let's give them let's give them the uh, the title shot. I think that's the fair that's the fair, correct, and you know direct answer here. Like Conor McGregor, I'm still a fan. I want to see him back in the cage, but that it cannot be his his first fight back. First of all, nor should it be on his roster at all. Like the initial reactions from Dana White and Jorge Masvidal in that respect. Or right on. Like, he's just too big. He's too powerful. It is kind of like setting up, you know, arranging a murder in the cage. Not that he would kill Conor McGregor, but I just don't see that making any sense. So let's let's give Jorge the, uh, the title fight. Either way, it's going to be exciting. If you have Colby, there's the bad blood. If you have Kamaru, it's a championship fight. And, you know, Masvidal is awesome and he's riding high. So I would be okay with that being his next fight, but he does have to heal up, right? He said he has some broken hands or at least an injured hand. And he's been going pretty strong for 2019. So give him that fight. If you don't give him that fight right away, give him another big name. I just can't think of who, but it should not be Conor McGregor. I think that's silly. What about you? I get the UFC kind of wanted to cash in early. My only thing about that is, is you have Kamaru and Colby, um, what do you do after that with that fight if it's not Jorge Masvidal? It kind of just locks it up. Connor is fine at 155 with a lot of big names who are going to sell well. Uh, Cowboy and Gaethje. And so I don't think there's a need to necessarily burn one to get the other. I don't think trying to cash in early in some way, um, yeah, there's just no need for it. There's plenty of big fights and that's not to say that if Connor doesn't win hey, why not throw him in there d down the line? That's still good television. But right off the bat, I, no, I don't think it's necessary at all. I'm with you. Uh, I agree. I think that, um, you know, Jorge versus Kamaru, um, clearly the number one welterweight right now against, you know, a guy who's very clearly the top contender after Colby. And if it's Jorge versus Covington, I mean, the fight really does sell itself, even though Colby will also do his part and so will Jorge. Um, the teammate angle, the bad blood angle, the run that they're both on. They both look fantastic in their last fights under the circumstances. Um, the fight really does sell itself. I'd be interested in that one, but uh, not going to lie. Kamaru 
you can't overlook what Kamaru's been doing and against the competition he's faced. So, you know, either way, it's good for Jorge. And look, that fight happens somewhere between May and July. I mean, who's to say that, you know, this time next year, he's not headlining MSG again against someone like Connor? That is completely feasible. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. There's so much potential for this 2020, just based on how some fighters have popped. Adesanya, Masvidal, the expectation of Conor McGregor's return. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting year. We still have John Jones, DC Stipe. Like, it's going to be a great year, and, and who knows what's going to end up happening. We talk about this stuff, and we make predictions, and we, we, we make predictions from a reasonable place with with a decent amount of information, but so much happens overnight. Stories change. They zig and zag. So Lord knows what'll happen, but we're guaranteed at least one uh, exciting Jorge Masvidal fight, maybe two, depending on how quickly he comes back. Masvidal versus Habib. <laughs> Tony Ferguson trips again. Oh, no, geez. sorry. Sh- shoot. Don't jinx him. I did it. I did it. Oh my gosh. It just came out of me. Well, well, well. I need to go light all the, I need to go light the MMA Jesus candle. Which yep. one? I need to light the Brian Ortega one and the Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Yair said there's a Conor McGregor one now. I don't think that'll work, but I got to go light them all. Shoot. <laughs> no, but. Um, yeah, I think you do. Jor- Jorge, right now. Jorge back at 155. Go for it. Why not? Anyway, but yeah, so look, uh, not without options. I'm sure, I'm not going to lie. We're not going to hear about anything until like January. It's not yeah. gonna be, we're not going to be on next week's show saying Jorge Masvidal moves up to take Israel out of, no. It's not going to be all that. So I think it'll be good. I think that we'll find out, you know, maybe around February. They'll get the ball rolling, that these guys enjoy their holiday. And, you know, then we could talk about what's next in the MMA, you know, universe. Moving on to the middleweight division. Kelvin Gastelum versus Darren Till. This one surprised me. I think that at the end of the day, Darren did a good job of making Kelvin feel his physicality, feel his height, feel his reach. Probably more than Israel Adesanya did. And Kelvin, I don't know what it was, but quite simply, just did not look himself. Maybe that was the weight cut. We could get into that, but... I think at the end of the day, Darren got more active in the right spots, just got a little ahead of uh, Kelvin on the scorecards, and I like the call. Um, I don't know if I would give Kelvin a 30-27, uh, um, but it wasn't the most dramatic fight. It was really a fight won by just a couple points, but I do feel like very clearly they did go to Darren. Yeah, it was, it was an underwhelming co-main event, especially considering who they're opening for. With uh, the BMF, Gastelum, as you said, yeah, didn't look himself. He didn't really show up. Till did what he needed to do, but as we know, he was, you know, mentally feeling a lot of pressure. And so kudos to him for for his honesty post-fight, talking about how he felt and, you know, being able to show up and get the job done. I think that the the honesty after the fight is the, the biggest headline for me. Um, talking about nerves, searching his mind for an excuse to, to bail up the last minute. You know, we've all been there as human beings before, and so in a, in a tough man sport like MMA, I think it's, like, very generous of him to share that inner monologue that he was having. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll need to see more from him. And, and it seems like his confidence is right back where it was in, at 170, when he was at 170. So expect his next fight to be more like the old Darren Till. As for Gastelum, I was shocked that he – uh that he needed the the towel, uh, but you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of uh, extra extra stories there to to tell regarding the the weigh in. Um, I will say that to me, it was pretty clear that he leaned on his coach. And I watched the um, embedded episode, and there's this whole setup in the backstage where they they pretend they need a towel to wipe their sweat. They come out and they just hand it to the commissioners without saying anything. And so those guys just sort of like dutifully hold it up, even though they weren't going to use the towel anymore. They were just going to use the ring, that like shower curtain thing. So they, it, it seems very clear to me. Like I have zero doubt that, that they planned this and, and effectively executed 
a little bit of a, a sneak, uh, a sneaky way in, but it is what it is. And um, he must have been, you can say he was depleted from the weight cut or maybe still was re- recovering from that out of Sonia fight. Like that, that's got to take a lot out of you. In either case, he wasn't himself. And that made for not the most exciting fight, but Till did what he had to do. So it is what it is. Cordero even dipped his shoulder, man. Come on. <laughs> Kelvin, come on. And you know, I've heard some stuff about this. Um, For example, the first embedded, something like that. His mom is cooking good Mexican food and he's got his nutritionist making healthy food and he's saying, I'm not going to try the other stuff. Well, you know. Okay, Kelvin, I'll take your word for it. Um, I will point this out is that. Is there a possibility he didn't take his weight cut seriously because he honestly believed Darren would not make it to the fight and he was going to get another pass? I really feel like that's a possible factor. And then it's like, oh, shoot. And, you know, he just botched the end of his cut and he's struggling with it. Stress can make it very hard to sweat, Natalie. You know, especially when you need to do it on command, just like anything else. So I think that that might be a possibility. But, um... You know, there was a there were a couple of red flags, you know, even if it's not the food, then what was it? And, you know, Darren Till with the flight and everything, but Kelvin was already in town. Uh, it, it's very tough to see. And it's very hard to make a defense, you know, outside of him say that, like, I didn't do it. I feel like there's just, we have eyes. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we have eyes, and so do so do the video cameras, and everybody was watching. The so. camera don't lie. Camera don't lie, man. Like, you know, depending on what angle you saw it from, even from the worst angle, you can you can see the shift in weight when Gastelum is given the all clear. You can see him like bounce off of Cordero, and and again with the embedded content in the back, it's so clear what they planned, and it worked. And, you know, props to, <laughs> I think it, I was watching the MMA fighting feed, props to Danny Segura for, well, you know, he maybe he didn't want to say it or he wasn't sure what was happening, but he kept, he kept asking aloud. He's like, why are they using the towel? Why are they using the towel? They're not supposed to use the towel. They're supposed to use the ring. And well, you know, now we know why. And they got away with it. I don't think anything's going to happen to Gaslam at this point. So I think they're going to find him, uh, you know, under the table. I will say this. Dominic Cruz had no chill during the oh, fight. Yeah. You know, he lands the elbow and then, you know, John Anik is like, that was a good elbow by Gastelum. And then <laughs> Dominic's like, not as good as the elbow he used yesterday. Mm-hmm. That was great. I'm glad somebody had the balls to, to, to call him out. Because a lot of times, you know, it's nothing but love at the, at the table. And I get it, but sometimes it's like it's 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 obvious it's sitting right there, like you can't ignore it. So I'm glad Cruz I'm glad Cruz spoke up, even if it was in a sarcastic it was a very dominant Cruz way to call someone out. So it was perfect. They're both SoCal guys. You know he's gonna run into him too, man. <laughs> that's, that's what's funny. It's like I know they will run into each other sooner rather than later. But yeah, that was uh that was just hilarious. Um it, Middleweight division. Uh, this takes Kelvin off the board. I'm going to go on the record. Darren Till against Adesanya is not about to happen. Um, that really does open the door big for Jared Cannonier, and I think that it really does make it a two-person race, either Jared or Yoel Romero. Obviously, uh, Adesanya has thrown the logs on the bigger name with Romero. Dana White wants Yoel to win one. Jared, I'm sure, is just waiting to say, just send me the paperwork, I'm ready. Um, what do you see now that we're on the other side of this fight? Before we I was actually on? surprised that Adesanya called out Yoel Romero because coming off a loss, he was kind of, to me, goofing around in the cage there with, with Costa. I wasn't impressed with his performance, even though that seems to be that seems to be going against the grain of what most people think. So... Yeah, okay, you want the bigger name, but come on, man. Like, you just got your belt. Don't you want to just stand there and take whoever's best, whoever's next? And I don't think Yoel Romero's next. At this point, with Costa being injured, I do think it's Jared. And um, I'm not going to say Israel doesn't want to fight him because I don't know why he doesn't want to fight him, right? Nobody knows. But 
it just doesn't make sense to be already calling out your challengers when you just got the belt. Like, I feel like, you know, knock them down, line them up, knock them down. And the next person in line is Jared Cannonier. So I hope they do that. But, you know, it's the, it's, it's the UFC. And so, and I, and I have no issue with it really, but you know, they're going to go wherever they can get the most bang for their buck. And I guess uh, Adesanya Romero probably, probably sells better than uh, Adesanya Cannonier. So we shall see, but uh, I'd like to see Jared get the shot. I mean, it's such a tough thing. I mean, the dollar signs are right there with Yoel. It's an easy sell. People recognize him. But really, anything could happen. I think at this point, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jared. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Whitaker rematch. It's just all right there. I really think that there's a lot of pieces in play, and it's just going to come down to timing and the situation. Um, honestly, is Yoel Romero completely 100% healthy, ready to go, let's say, in March? Let's do it. If something's up, oh, well, Jared, get the heck in there. You wanted it? Let's do it. That'll happen. There's a lot of stuff that they're figuring out. And, um, you know, not for nothing, they may even be waiting. Maybe Costa in April is something that I heard Ariel Hawani say. Yes, it, that we found out he was injured this past week. It doesn't mean that he had the procedure done this week. It's actually been a minute. They've just been keeping it under wraps. So, hey, not a... Out of the question that we will see Paulo Costa also, but you know, remains to be seen. I know the eight month thing, the manager said something that could be a negotiation tactic, but there are a lot of pieces still in play. But officially, Kelvin Gastelum is off the board until he gets back on track. And I think that's one of the key things from the co main event. Moving on, there was obviously a lot of good stuff. Kevin Lee, that head kick knockout stole the show. That was just, it was beautiful and brutal all at the same time. Reportedly, the president remembered Kevin Lee's name out of everybody after that one. Didn't everybody? The Corey Anderson knockout of Johnny Walker, fantastic. No one saw that coming. Really just chopped down the tree. And then uh, Corey Anderson was clearly dialed in from the get-go. What were your thoughts on either or or both of the knockouts on the card? Yeah, Kevin Lee, ridiculous showing uh, for his return to 155. He came out with a strong game plan, that low stance. So clearly, Faraz Sahabi is already, you know, moving to that camp, has already paid dividends, and he's just going to get better now. He's on everyone's, uh, his name is on everyone's lips. And yeah, I didn't know about the president, but yeah, his too, I guess. So that was an excellent. Uh, vicious, memorable as heck knockout. It looked like someone just turned the lights out on uh, Gregory Gillespie, just bent over, fall backwards. I mean, it doesn't get more more cringy but exciting than that. So good, good on Kevin Lee because he was kind of struggling there. So Corey Anderson, that guy scared me. In his fight with Johnny Walker, like the ferocity in that was incredible. He did not let up for a second. He wasn't playing around. And Johnny Johnny Walker, like I just I just remember that the look in his eyes after Corey just started beating him up and the ref stepped in, like he had no idea what had happened. He was just standing there staring at Corey Anderson while Corey screamed in his face. He was completely dazed. It was an incredible performance for Corey Anderson, you know. He felt like he wasn't getting the respect he he deserved. I think he'll get it at least for the short term. You know, he'll get it. We'll hold on to it for him until his next fight. And then he's got to, I think, prove it again. Because if he goes back to sort of the quiet, underwhelming wrestling, then then we'll just remember this as like a one-off performance. So I hope he rides this uh, this wave and, and lives up to it. But uh, but Kevin Lee is the uh, the 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 winner of a uh, knockout uh, mem- memorable moment of the night for sure. Yeah, that one really was just uh, that was just something. Um, when you think about what we know about Johnny Walker and everything that we've really seen, it would just really what more can you really say about it, right? And then Kevin Lee, that was a big introduction. That was a much needed victory. X Y Z there. Um, one of the, uh, I'll put it this way. If Jorge Masvidal knocked out, uh, Ben Askren in three minutes, 
You're probably talking about that head kick being a knockout of the year candidate for Kevin Lee. I think that that was how beautiful that one was. And with all of the context of everything going on. But um, yeah, it was just really quite something. Um, the funniest one, though, that I saw is uh, after the fight. One of my favorite people to follow, um, Ashley. This is her t handle, by the way, but Ashley the MMA nerd. And she's showing like an empty bottle of Johnny Walker saying, pouring one out for the king on this <laughs> Monday. And I was like, oh my gosh. So uh, Johnny will be back. I think there's no doubt about that. It looks like he was smiling after. Gregor, this is barely his first loss, but Kevin Lee and Corey Anderson take big steps forward. John Jones does mention that it looks like Dominic Reyes is ahead. And I'm like, okay, there we have it. I hope that's good news for early 2020 in the light heavyweight division. Uh, before we move on to other stuff, uh, Kaitlyn Chikagian. Uh, very workmanlike, as expected, but gets the job done against Jennifer Maya. Is that who's next for Valentina Shevchenko? I think so, just because it's a little thin over there at 125. Um, you know, Chikagian is very consistent. She has those long arms, those those long legs, and her you know her one two, and she she always gets the job done. She always goes to decision and gets the job done. So. You keep racking up wins, and you know there's no choice. You got to get your title shot. If Jessica, I got a title shot. Chukagian definitely deserves a title shot. And who knows? Maybe redheaded Valentina Shevchenko has lost some power or some of her mojo. We have no idea how she's going to perform with a different hair color. So it could be, it could be a, it could be interesting. We'll, uh, we'll dig into it with the, if the fight gets made. You think redhead Valentina lost her mojo? I don't know. I'm not. Um, like like when like when Sean White cut his hair and then he had a you know had a tough Olympics is that what we're seeing you know you no, can't mess with be, their mojo. It definitely surprised me, but you know what? She's she knows what she's doing, so maybe <laughs> maybe she feels more powerful. I don't know. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of it, but uh, it's gonna take me a little getting used to. I mean, that's your sister right there. I know. She never uh, consulted me. Maybe she changed it because it's like, you know what? I want to show people that I'm red hot in the flyweight division. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, I'll go take my pun somewhere where it's appreciated. <laughs> no, um, yeah, Chukagin's next. Um, Jojo Calderwood is there, but I don't, you know, I, I just don't see it. I think that Jojo is going to get somebody big. I think that, you know, she'll find one of the other players in the flyweight division. I'm sure we're going to see the first half really shape up with the, you know, the Macy Barbers making, doing work. Andrea Lee come back. Maybe Jessica I comes back. Montana De La Rosa. Paige Van Zandt. There are a lot of girls looking to break into the upper half. Right now, though, they're, you know, there's a lot of movement that they're kind of staying right out of the picture. So I think we just need to see a lot more people develop in early 2020 and then you know we'll see what's there for Valentina I'm sure right now she's probably looking at maybe Chukagian maybe Amanda Nunes next year if she gets past Caitlin so I, I think that there's a, there's a plan brewing it's just in the early stages right now but for sure Chukagian I think she's done what she needs to to get the next shot at Valentina at 125 Moving on, there's a lot of fun stuff from the weekend. Uh, let's talk about The Rock, because that makes everybody happy. What did you think about just the pomp and circumstance of him coming out? So at the press conference, it was great energy until he revealed what his big announcement was. And at least from my, my angle here on the old YouTube machine, the crowd didn't seem very excited about his movie announcement. And it wasn't what I was expecting, but hey, you know it's The Rock, and he doesn't he doesn't do anything halfway, so it's probably going to be a, a you know really good movie, and and good for him. Um, as far as his presence in the cage, giving the belt, I don't know how he would have acted if the fight had ended not in a non-controversial way. He seemed a little subdued when he handed when he when he put the belt on Masvidal. And uh, I think, you know, that was kind of 
I keep saying underwhelming, but that was the feeling I had too watching him. I wanted him to be like really pumped up, but but maybe he didn't want to steal any shine from from Masvidal, and so he was just literally gonna do his job, wrap the belt around, and stand to the side. I would have liked a little bit of theatrics, but oh well. All in all, it was freaking cool to see The Rock there. Everybody loves him, like literally everybody loves The Rock, and so he told Masvidal in the um. At least in the sneak peek they showed for the thrill and the agony or agony and defeat, whatever it's called, he told him that he would be there for every one of his fights going forward. So that's a big coup for the UFC and for Masvidal. I mean, I think that's awesome. That is really cool. Uh, The announcement, um, I'm glad we have The Rock because I am a fan who came in in a little about mid-2000s. So when he said Mark Kerr, I think like everyone, wait, who? Yeah, Google like, that. Even at first, maybe it says it Mark Coleman. Oh, and then Mark Kerr is like, <clears throat> you know, but look, Mr. Kerr has clearly had a great UFC career, won some tournaments, has held technically UFC gold as well. So by all means, maybe The Rock is the one to introduce us, you know, in the new generation. And I'm all for that. I'm all for The Rock in MMA. He's a very fun character. Um, I'll say this. He made the walkout with the belt. I say go all out, use the graphics, turn the lights off, you know, let him come out to his music. I mean, why not? We're already there. You're already doing it. Just don't go halfway. I would have liked them to turn out the lights and just let The Rock make an epic entrance and then, you know, hold up the BMF belt and then just step aside. We are officially ready. That's what I would have liked to see. But, you know, they left the lights on and he's smiling and which isn't bad, but I was just... We could have had it all. I'll say that. We could have had it all. Um, well, I, I totally missed him walking out. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Had I seen that, I would have probably felt the same way. My feed on ESPN was terrible. It was freezing every five seconds. Not not kidding. So so it was a little frustrating. But anyway, I interrupted you. Sorry. Finish your, uh, finish your musings. No, you're good. But uh, I heard that that was also another thing is that ESPN Plus had a high traffic for um, – the the BMF so that is interesting to hear but yeah I, I would have said that um besides that look we knew this was a special event I think that it was refreshing I know that I think in the right context we would love more of it I think that that's the general consensus we got is that look why do all the fights have to be a title fight on pay-per-view clearly it can happen and you know, if we're really trying to talk about it, this is what sells sometimes is, hey, this is a little different than the norm. Some fights, like Israel Whitaker, maybe they don't need it as much. And it's, hey, it's just in a bigger arena. Okay, everything else, let's just run the show. It's going to be off the hook already. So, you know, there's a lot of different contexts, but I was okay with it. I liked it, and I am not opposed to them doing something similar again you know, maybe a once a year thing, we'll see something, but who knows, but it's got to be the right fight, you know, it's got to be just um, this level, otherwise, just, just take a pass, but I will say that, I, I'm not opposed to seeing more The Rock and everything else in that same vein, um, Elephant in the Room, the president right there in the front row, they only showed him once on my broadcast, so, uh, I want to say that that was probably a uh, strategic move, you know, just in case people reacted a certain way. I will say that, you know what, opens the door, you know, whether or not, however you feel about this president, it opens the door for the next president to sit in the front row or another president or this and that. And that, at the end of the day, I think is big because everyone should love MMA, in my opinion. So, I will leave it at that. He opened a big door. He showed that you will be fine if you attend UFC. All right, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, politics aside, a a sitting president at a UFC event, that's pretty cool, right? Um, Yeah, he he was shown on the screen, on our TV screens, like so if you're at home or out, out at a bar or whatever. We all saw him once. Uh, according to Dana White at the press conference, they did not show him on the uh, big screen indoors, probably because, you know, he had a he had a very strong reaction when they did that at the Nats game. Mm-hmm. I suspect that's why they did they they chose to uh, keep his face off the screen at MSG, but we don't know. Um, 
I heard Luke Thomas on his radio show talk about security for media and how they had to like go through three different levels and have everything in their bags scrutinized, um, examined. And, uh, you know, I don't know how it affected the regular fans, but, but at the, at least from that perspective, the media did, did, uh, did have to take some extra steps to get in. And I, I, I only heard this from Luke Thomas again. So that, that there were some boos, uh, mostly boos, but also cheers in the crowd when he walked in and he's a polarizing figure. So not surprised. And, and any president probably would re received with, you know, some, some highs, some lows. So I think that, uh, mostly I was thinking about his secret service staff and how pissed they must've been that he insisted on going to this fight. Cause who knows what they had to do to make him safe. I mean, you're fully exposed and uh like at a fight for christ's sake so i uh, i feel for those guys yeah i agree it was very um that i wouldn't I, I get it if you sweat if you're secret service and you know but look once again you know what dana white said look this is a guy who knows mma and i think that is something you're talking about a guy who promoted mma and became a president that is you know think about that sentence you know, yeah. for a second before we move on. But yeah, that is... a Disney movie out of that. It's, what would you call it? <laughs> <laughs> that is oh, quite something. I, I don't mean, know. I don't know. I will say this. You know, that would be pretty bomb on Netflix. I'm not going to lie. I don't, <laughs> I'd watch that night one when it drops. But yeah, yeah um, definitely something. I think that was really cool. I will say that. Uh, moving on, uh, we did have quite a lot of other stuff going on around it. This one, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on. They had Canelo Kovalev. I know what happened, but I did not see the fight. I'm saving that to, you know, for my own time and enjoyment. I haven't watched or read much. I just know the result. But apparently at the MGM, the way they staggered their card, they actually ended up with the over an hour window waiting for BMF to get done, that MGM Live actually, you know, called UFC and said, hey, we want to show the BMF fight while we wait for Canelo. And apparently that was what was playing on the big screen. There is a lot of controversy. I want to give my thoughts second, but either fans were treated well because you got both the BMF and then you got to see Canelo live, or the boxing fans were disrespected and you made Canelo wait. Plus, you have a lot of fans who are like, look, if I wanted UFC, I would have gone to New York. I came to Vegas for my boxing. Give me my boxing already. What are your thoughts on how it all went down at the MGM? Yeah, man, I was shocked when I heard that, that they that, that they won. So initially when the news came out that they were going to wait to air the or to start their main fight until the BMF was over, I was like, okay, that's smart. But I didn't think about how that would actually leave a 90-minute gap or so uh, in between the co-main and the main. And that meant that all those fans who paid money, who chose to go to that venue to watch boxing on that night, had to sit there and wait and presumably spend more money on food and beer just to pass the time. Had to sit there and wait for some other fight to go down before the fight they paid good money to see started. It impacts you less if you're at home especially on the West Coast. But I, I look at it as zone completely bending the knee. There's no other way for me to see it. You know, they exchanged pride for subscriptions, for viewers. Uh, and, and even though it may have gotten them the numbers they wanted, I think it was, I think it was a weak sauce move. The UFC would never do that, ever in a million years <laughs> for anyone. So, you know, we've seen them cancel events. Like there was a a Bellator card, I think in the forum. I don't know if it was the one where we met or maybe the previous year. And UFC had something on the same night and it was kind of kind of thin. They canceled. They pulled their event. They'll do that. They'll 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 do that ahead of time. They have they have foresight to do something like that. By the time the event actually rolls around the day of the anyway, no one remembers the UFC was going to have something that night. But to do it in this manner, Dazone, having Canelo, the guy that they paid millions of dollars for, sitting around and waiting for 90 minutes for some other sport to finish. If I'm Canelo, I'm pissed. If I'm Kovalev, I'm pissed. 
you got to play it off, right? Because you want to stay focused, but damn, I, I can't believe they did that. And, um, yeah, that, that's a big win for the UFC. If I'm, if I'm Dana White, if I'm the higher ups there, I'm like high-fiving under the table because the tide is turning clearly. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very good way to put it. Um, I will say I think that boxing, this is a very special circumstance. And you got to talk about a lot of little things that aren't going to make it into the thing. For example, the zone subscription versus a one-time ESPN Plus purchase. You got to talk about when you talk about changing channels, it's not like it was a year ago. You could flip from one on the other with just your remote. When you're talking about working with your phone or your computer, switching streaming services. That's another thing more complicated that I kind of get how this happened at the end of the day. I think that for the most part, and, and if you say, you know what, I was a boxing fan, give me my boxing, I completely get you. You're completely in the right to feel disrespected. You're completely in the right to expect more out of your DAZN and or boxing and who, everyone else involved. That being said, I do believe that they they picked the lesser of two evils. I think they picked the best decision to appease the most amount of people. They're like, hey, at the end of the day, you got your UFC. You got your boxing live. It was still a great fight. It was still a great performance by Canelo. You know, you, you got it. You got it essentially as much as you could have given all the people under the circumstances. Now, if you were just watching on DAZN and you had to change the channel for an hour, I'd get a little frustrated with that too. But I think at the end of the day, they made the decision. And yeah, UFC would never do that. Um, I think that's just a sign of the times. However, you know, this is one battle. It's not the war. This wouldn't have happened, you know, this won't happen this week, for example, or even next week if Canelo were fighting. So I don't think UFC, you know, it's not already done. You know what I mean? And that's oh, what yeah. I have to say about it. Definitely not. And, and, and they, they disowned, did make the smart, they did make the smartest move considering the circumstances to preserve their, their day of numbers. They did what they had to do to keep the people that paid and to go see it live. They threw them a bone by putting on that other fight. And so if you're there, you're either like, oh, okay, cool, I guess you get to watch a fight, or you just get more pissed because now you really understand why you're waiting so long. But I do get why they did it. I still think it was it was a weak move because they had plenty of notice, and and they chose to put their fight on the same night. So oh, we'll see. We'll see how this shakes out in a few years. I don't think it's... I think people should, the war is not, you know, it was something, uh, you don't have to worry, put it that way, on that case. But look, there was obviously a lot more going on in the world of MMA, first off. We had quite the interesting one. We will go back to boxing in a second, but I want to mention this one to, you know, get us a little rolling to more recent stuff. I'm going to probably butcher his name, Jarzinho Rosenstruck. We'll step in to take on Alistair Overeem. He replaces Walt Harris, by the way. Keep sharing that. Apparently, they have a, um, you know, a person of interest in the um, missing a, you know, person's case with his daughter, Ania. That is very huge. I'm, you know, obviously, best wishes and just, you know, thoughts and prayers to Walt Harris and the family. But, you know, we have a guy who just knocked out um, Andre Arlovsky in under a minute. Taking on, you know, former Strike Force champion, Dream K1, one of the most experienced strikers in the heavyweight division. What are your thoughts on the fight coming up in about a month? I uh I mean the heavyweight division is so crazy because you never know what's gonna happen, even when you think you surely know what's gonna happen, right? And this Jarzinho dude have was that that wasn't his UFC debut, was it? I hadn't seen him fight before, but I didn't know. I wanna say he's got about one or two. Okay. Well, he is a scary dude. I mean, scary. So good good luck to Alistair Overeem for accepting this last-minute opponent. At this point, you know, you just want to fight, so I see why you would. Um, you know, Jarzinho has nothing to lose. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't, like, at all. His fight was, like, 26 seconds, and then it was over. So he's fresh as a daisy. And the circumstances under which this this new fight was booked are really, really tragic. But, you know, 
the UFC, the, the, you know, the fight game continues. And so this is what, this is where we are. So, you know, we saw Greg Hardy, he's stepping up for a different reason. This guy's stepping up now. I, I would be scared if I were over him just because this guy is literally looks scary. He's huge. He's strong. He's powerful and he has nothing to lose. So I would expect him to just come out swinging. Yeah. I mean, really just why not? I feel like you're playing with house money. Um, you really got the job done. You're really talking about a guy who's steps into a big opportunity. I kind of get, you know, process of elimination, how the fight came together. And if you're Alistair Overeem, obviously this is another big fight. But I think that's pretty big. I think that this is another good fight for Rosenstruck. Obviously, you know, you move up in competition. Alistair Overeem is a guy who wants to get people talking about a rematch with Stipe down the line. Or, you know, whoever else is up there, Francis Ngannou, um, other guys like that, Alexander Volkov and other guys there. So, this is a big one for him. But yeah, if you're Rosenstruck, play with house money, go for broke, why not? Moving on to our next topic. This one, I'm a little invested in because I've been spending quite a few days with these guys doing media. YouTube star Logan Paul will be having his boxing rematch with KSI. And something that has made the rounds is that this young gentleman is still interested in fighting MMA after he has the rematch on Saturday. He said you know, he's a former wrestler back in high school. He was very accomplished. He's obviously training boxing. He's an athletic young kid. And he's saying, you know what, Dana White, I want to fight in the UFC. Natalie, I understand he's not about to be Stipe Miocic. I get it. However, they packed out the house in England last year. They're expecting quite a good number at the Staples Center. And at the end of the day, this is a guy who's literally moving the needle, which is obviously one of the most elusive things to do in MMA. Uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this entire idea? Oh, boy. For, firstly, you know, good on these men, for these young guys, for making, making, making a buck. First on YouTube, then then through this um, through this medium, you know, good job because like not everyone can just do this, can flip a switch and get all kinds of folks interested in a boxing fight between two guys who don't fight professionally. So, hey man, go for it. I I didn't watch the original or the first bout. I've only seen highlights, and uh, you know they're not like completely noobs to the game to the boxing world they have some basic skills so it's not a terrible terrible fight it's entertaining and if you really care about either one of these guys from you know from the youtube world then you have some some kind of a vested interest so you know i'm sure it'll be a fun fight i'm sure it's gonna be a good turnout i am curious to know and you can tell us next week how many fans show up just for the main event and how many show up earlier to see some of the other like legitimate fight, more legitimate fights, I guess I'll say. Um, but, but as for his um, desire to fight in the UFC, it, hey man, if he wants to fight MMA, I, you know, and he has uh, this background and at least call it a high school level background in wrestling. And now he's training boxing. That's a solid start, but you can't just jump straight into the UFC. I wouldn't even say he would be, not having having not seen his wrestling skills at all, I would say he's not even ready for Dana White Contender Series. But there are so many promotions locally that he can start out in. And if he wants to, you know, I'm sure Dana White wouldn't mind the publicity. They want to invite him to the PF, um, to the Performance Institute, get some photos, hit some mitts. Like you can, you can sort of start introducing him to the UFC world, to the MMA world. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see him fight in the big leagues just yet let's actually see him train mma like you know do some sparring at a gym something we got to see something before we can start saying yes to this uh to this request that, that's how i see it what do you think oh boy oh boy uh, I, i'm gonna go once again on the record i don't expect this to be the greatest mma fighter we've ever seen um i will say this i'm gonna hit you with a curveball UFC wants to bring back the ultimate fighter, right? This guy in a house 
bunch of cameras. I mean, this is how he made his money, right? With <laughs> Why not? What do you think about that idea? Logan Paul on the new season of The Ultimate Fighter on Fight Pass. That's a genius move for eyeballs. Like, you're going to get a bunch of people tuning in from both sides, from his fans. And then on the other side, MMA fans who want to see him get beat up or are just curious to see what, it, what his skill level is. But if you put him in that house, which is actually a genius idea, so props to you, tell Dana White, if you put him in that house, you better believe everyone's going to be gunning for him and nobody else is going to go in with the low level of fight experience that he will have. Everyone else is going to be a, a killer with, with a decent amateur record and pro record. So good luck to him if he does that, but it's a genius move and it would definitely help with the relaunch of, of Ultimate Fighter, like, in a huge way. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I need to start, you know, making this a pay-per-view podcast. This is some <laughs> A-plus thinking. The Rock with the Ultimate Fighter? Oh, what if they're both on the new season of the Ultimate Fighter? Oh, my God. You know, that was such a great idea, and I, you know, it could still happen, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's just I, his movie, and that's it. I dare to dream, man. That's what happened. I dare to dream. Um, to round it out real quick, uh, look, um, if he really wants to fight MMA, um, look, the CM Punk thing, I know people criticize it, but if this kid is really looking to get matched up, UFC is willing to offer somebody else a one-fight deal. They put him on a card somewhere to bolster it. Let's do it. Go for it. Why not? You know, um, Give him a guy who's you know, 1-0. Give him a guy who's, you know... Do your correct scouting, plain and simple, more more so than you did for, you know, Mr. Punk. And you know what? Why not? If it really moves the needle, but let's call it what it is at the end of the day. You do that, I think you get ahead of all of this stuff. So I think there you go. But yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one. I will be there on Saturday, so I will have all of the inside scoop for you, and I will let you guys know. I will say this. When I talk to them... A lot of people get the Canelo uh, BMF, you know, thing that happened on Saturday. A lot of people understand it. So that really impressed me is these two young guys talking to Logan Paul, talking to JJ, KSI. Um, they get it. And I think that it's been very interesting. You're talking about some people who are very educated. And I think that's something they're not being given credit for as the fight comes closer on Saturday. Yeah, you're right. I saw your interview with him. It's good interview. At least the, the Logan Paul one. I haven't seen the other one yet, but yeah, I mean, he had very reasonable responses to real MMA, you know, real world MMA questions. So they're not just some punks that are throwing some gloves on. Like they're fans of the sport, at least of combat sports. And obviously with Logan Paul fan of, of MMA and specifically the UFC. So, I mean, that, that, not that they need help because they have their own huge fan base, but it does help with maybe bringing over fans from MMA or interest from the MMA community or the boxing community at large. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's going to be a good step. And look, the more they talk about it, that just gives us more stuff to talk about too. So I'm good with it. Finally, we do have a fight. It is going to be earlier on Saturday from Moscow, Russia. Remember when, you know, debuting in the country was a new thing? Now they've had several cards there. You're talking about maybe Habib down the line, headlining a big show in Russia. What a time. And it's going to have the, you know, the now rescheduled main event. There's been a lot of stuff that happened. Obviously, it's going to be JDS Volkov. You know, JDS is out. Greg Hardy steps in, fights Alexander Volkov on in the co-main event. Now we have a three-round featherweight main event. Zabit Magomed Sharapov against Calvin... I always mess it up. Katar, Calvin Katar. Another guy, you know, been around a while, but Zabit is really, you know, he is the star of the show going into this one. What are your thoughts on the fight? Man, this is... Um... This is going to be a really cool fight because Calvin Cater has great boxing. He has solid footwork and he has a lot of power, good power. We saw him use it against Ricardo Lamas, against, um, I can't remember his first name now, but something Fishgold, maybe Chris Fishgold. But Zabit is a complete MMA fighter. He has amazing footwork, that beautiful range, 
he has a ground game, those cool trips. He does the switch kicks and the, um, oh, there's something else he does. I can't remember. I was watching all his fights today. He does so, everything, doesn't he? He does everything. Yeah. I mean, he does everything. And so and he's going to be at home in Russia now. And, and that beautiful beard and that hair, that you know, young Abe Lincoln look that he's rocking. Oh, my gosh. I'm not, I'm not like, calm you know, down. Into it. I'm, not into it. I'm not into it, but I think it's funny. Um, uh, calm down, Natalie. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh-huh. Not like that. But it's tricky because the beat has this amazing game. And he can hit you from everywhere, up top, down low, side to side. You know, he can he's evasive. He can hurt you with punches. But Cater has, I think, that that vicious one-two that can really put you down. So if Cater manages to land that, may not work the first time, but uh, you know, a few more of those, and I think the beat could be in trouble. So that's that's Cater's best chance, as I see it. But um but I don't know. It's it's just it's like kind of a, a toss-up, even though the beat is so well-rounded, because Cater's X Factor is 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 so special. I don't know where I sit. I'm gonna let you do your thing, and then I'll uh, I'll come back to you with my pick. Well, I mean, look, we kind of saw that a bit with the Jeremy Stevens thing. Is that everybody knows exactly what you want to do to Zabit? You want to get in his face. You want to make him feel like he can't wind up for anything, and you want to make him feel like he's coming off his heels so he can't try to take it down or anything like that. Um, there, it's obviously much easier said than done, and that speaks to the win streak that Zabit is on. I think that Calvin is very capable. I think a lot of people aren't giving him credit, but this is a guy who's had more than a ten-year career. Um, outside of Jeremy Stevens, I want to say he might be one of the more, ex- excuse me, experienced guys that Zabit has taken on. I think he's got a well-rounded skill set. You got to think he knows uh, he's been drilling the basics to take Zabit. And I think that, you know, that's what it's going to come down to. Just get in his face. That being said, we understand exactly why. I, I wrote a piece about it, the myth of Zabit, right? You know, he's Frankie Edgar, Mark Henry were talking him up before he made his octagon debut. Um, I was watching one of those fights. I think it was Kyle Bokniak. And you have Zabit doing a move. He does like a 180 spinning back kick. You know, so flexible. He's able to like crack him right directly on the chin out of nowhere with um, uh, Kyle moving. And it's like... It's like a video game. Like you just press X and he goes for the crazy move right there in the middle of the octagon. And that's why people get excited about him. And for good reason. He's definitely fun television. I think that uh, Calvin is going to make this very competitive. I think that he's fighting with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He was the one who got moved from home to Boston to enemy territory in Russia. He's had to change to a Russian diet probably. He probably (laughs) feels, you know, a lot of different stuff. Um... You know, I'm not saying they're going to treat him badly, but in his mind, he probably built it up that it's like Rocky IV. Um, It's quite something. So I think that that extra fire is something not to be taken lightly. And if you're Zabit, this is the big fight, right? You win your first UFC main event. Now we're talking about Yair Rodriguez, Brian Ortega. You know, know, one of these fights that could get you the next shot at the winner, you know, Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, all of that, you know, together, that's a big high stakes fight. So I think that there's a lot. I will say that I think that Zabit is gonna, I think he's going to perform well at home. He's a guy that you could just tell in every mannerism, the nerves don't really get to him very much. And I do think he's going to, ex- he's going to have a great showcase. I think that at the end of the day, he's just going to have the right moves, the right stuff. And he's going to, he's going to get the better of, um, Cater. And I think that he's going to win unanimous decision. I think he's going to have a fun one, but Calvin isn't going to go away. That sounds like a solid, reasonable pick. And I'm going to go the other way <laughs> and go with unlikely and probably not reasonable. But I think Cater might land that one-two I was talking about. I think he might be able to get it done. And uh, and get a finish in round three. So I'm calling TKO Cater round three. Ooh, just I know. Just believe he's gonna get it. I just believe he's gonna get it. I just have a feeling. You're talking Rocky Four. You're talking my language. I think he's gonna get it done. <laughs> All right, I'm with it. I'm with it. So we are split. I'm going with Zabist. Natalie is going with Calvin Cater. Real quick, does Zabist look like Abraham Lincoln? 
He looks to me, he looks like young Abraham Lincoln, hundred percent. I I really want to interview him because you know what I do? I want him to hold up a picture of himself, and then I want to ho- want him to hold up a picture of Abraham Lincoln and say like, no, honestly, tell me what you think when you see this. <laughs> I think it would just be hilarious. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, look, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've got friends in Russia who are covering it, and I know that they are excited for that main event. Um, the, you know, good stuff on the card, as always, when they go to these markets. So I'm ready for some good stuff. But we are going to have one return to Brazil. I think that's, yeah, it should be the last Brazil card of the year, Sao Paulo. Jan Blahovic, coming off the knockout over Luke Rockhold, will be taking on Jacare Souza. What are your preliminary thoughts on that fight? That's a great fight. And, you know, Jacare looked good against Weidman. Well, he was losing, but he had that comeback. And then um, now I can't remember his last fight. Did he have another fight before that, after that? Um, no. Wait, yes, he lost to the Joker, if you remember. Yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so... So that that's why I was feeling like he's got a lot to prove here. But Jan, yeah, that's scary. So good luck. <laughs> that's right. That's where I shake out right now on that one. Because Jan blitzed Rockhold. Um, you know, he did lose to her he lost to Hermanson too, right? Wasn't that Am I remembering this wrong? Uh yeah, he lost to Hermanson. Yeah, he lost to Hermanson and then Jacare lost one. Yeah, so so, you know, Hermanson has, or sorry, Jan has less to lose here than Jacare does. But uh, Jacare is still a big name. And so if you beat him, it definitely helps your case. So uh, I would say Jacare being in Brazil, coming off those losses, or I should that one loss. I don't know. They're both going to be gunning for each other, but my money's probably on Jan at this point. I'll, uh, I'll see how I feel after watching some fights, but but that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I think that this is all Jan. I think at 205, I think he's just not given the respect he deserves. Yakare is no joke, especially on the ground, but I think that that's going to be just another tough one. And, you know, they're both very capable. Also, you got to talk about the light heavyweight thing. Jan beats Jacare. You know, why not Jan versus Corey Anderson or something else like that? You know, this is another big fight heading into 2020. If you're especially going to take aim at John Jones, these are the fights you win that set up the fights that get you that big money payday on a pay-per-view. So big uh, stuff for both men. Jan to be in the title picture. Jacare to break into it and kind of have a late resurgence too. So I think it's going to be some good stuff. Natalie, we've had so much to talk about. Officially, no more BMF. So a lot of our puns are officially going away. But we're still going to bring the energy. Um, Before I let you go, can you believe this? If I'm not mistaken, after next week, we will actually have a break from MMA and UFC for about a week or two until December. Oh, wow. I know. What are we going to do with ourselves? Listen to reruns of MMA Daily anywhere you get your podcasts. That means Apple, Spotify, and a lot of other ones. So stay tuned. But no, I think it's. Uh, I think now that when you say it, it's like, man, has it really been that long? So it's been quite quite the crazy, you know, just summer and going into fall. So I think it's going to be very good. We've had a lot to talk about, and we're going to have more to keep discussing. Until then, where can the fans find you on social media? You can hit me up on Twitter at NatalieZamudio underscore. That's right. And guys, you can find me anytime at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week.